Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, they're great. They're a great team. No, nothing bad about them. But we, obviously, they all thought, they, everyone thought that they were going to win. We came out and played the best we could and showed that we were top of the league. We are up there, too. Special teams is going to win you games, and then obviously there, that block field goal, the, uh, the fumble on the kickoff, it's exactly what happened. Special teams a big part of the game. It's one-third, and we definitely came through today. Again, very evenly matched game. Two good football teams. Um, now we can regroup and uh, get healthy and finish out the season. Now, last year we had a loss, and we, we went on to win the NDL and, you know, make the state. So we're going to keep pushing forward. Fred Holy Cross was there night tonight. It really shows the improvement of our team and our players. It really shows that we have that dog mentality. We, we, we won't give up, basically. We'll just keep striving. We won't hang our heads down. We just we have our we have each other's backs and we believe in ourselves. Hello everybody and welcome once again to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. And I'm your host, Sean Patrick Bowley, and with me. As always and forever, people Gaga. Petey, how are you? Ooh, good forever. Oh, we're just locking ourselves in. Did I get did I get a contract extension? <laughs> uh, joining us a little bit later on the show, Killingly's Chad Neal, the coach up there in the noisy corner. Got that out real quick this time. <laughs> and at the top of the show, of course, you heard it was a light week last week because of uh of a lot, a lot of the teams from the Fairfield County taking buys. So we all went, the gang was all there at Municipal Stadium in Waterbury, where Holy Cross, my goodness, Holy Cross rallies back to beat Naugatuck 21 to 19. Uh, you heard a little bit from Holy Cross's Thomas Leesy once we were able to corral him outside the lock, the jubilant locker rooms there at Municipal. And you heard a little bit from Noggy's Chris Anderson taking it on stride. Game of inches. Uh, we'll be back. We lost last year. We'll be fine. And then, of course, you heard the guy, the, the man of the hour, Rome. Rowan Maldonado, the linebacker. He was 
awesome. He was all over the field on defense, but he made two of the games possibly, at least in Holy Cross's, as way as Holy Cross is concerned, two of the biggest plays of the year. Leveling Jaden Martinez to force the fumble to set up the go-ahead touchdown by Marquise Campbell with four, 644 left. And then just when it looked like Nogatek was going to come back to steal this win away, setting up to walk out of there with a field winning field goal, Monal Donato did it again, bursting through the line, blocking the kick by sure-footed Dom D'Souza, and Holy Cross ran off the field, literally, to get ready for Ansonia next week. But what a great performance that was. Game of the year right now in the NVL. It was it lived up to the hype. A little Thursday night action. Everybody was there, like I said. He got a little Jimmy Shannon taking photos and Ned Griffin in the house showing up. Finally, it's been a while. We haven't seen Ned all year. And Ned's showing up. Pete, what did you think of the game? Uh, you were there as well. It was I was. It was, a, yeah. it was a party. Um, that was a great game. I mean, game of the year in the NVL for sure. I think it also sets up something really interesting. Um, because Holy Cross and Ansonia do play next week. If Ansonia wins that game and then Naugatuck beats Ansonia on Thanksgiving, we have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I, I'm going to date myself back to my freshman year of college uh, when Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas all tied for the Big 12 championship. And yeah. they were like, who's going to the BCS? We have no idea. What's the ninth tiebreaker to figure this out? And, like, obviously, there's no NVL title this year. Even if people claim that there is, there's not. Um, but it is really interesting to see now because Holy Cross is a player. They're a player in the NVL. Um, this win over Naugatuck solidifies that because a lot of people told us Naugatuck was the best team in the NVL this year. And Holy Cross took it to him. Not only It's not like Holy Cross went up early and often and Naugatuck kind of clawed its way back or it was, like, back and forth. Like, Naugatuck controlled that game. Yeah, they were up. What was it? Nineteen seven. Yeah, nineteen seven uh, after three quarters. They're putting us to sleep. Yeah, that game and the Holy Cross battled back into it. They're a player next week against Ansonia is a huge game that will tell us a lot about what's going to happen in the NBL the rest of the way. But, you know, it's not a two team race anymore. No, certainly not. I mean, that, listen, not going to play well enough to win, except, um, you know, uh, except the, except in the end, they they didn't win. But, you know, Caden Martin played awesome. You know, I don't know if they're going to get Jet Hall back, but he was great. He had a few touchdowns. Uh, they were putting that team, they were putting them to sleep. They just didn't put them away. Yep. Um, I was really shocked, Pete. After Campbell goes in to score to make it 20 to 19, what's Holy Cross doing? Not going for two in that spot. Like, immediately, Chris Anderson's like, Oh, wow. Thanks. I could probably win this game. I mean, they got out of there with the win. But what's Holy Cross Pete doing? I now I did not talk to the coaches afterwards because they got the heck out of there. They went to the locker room. It was bedlam. It was a mess. But uh, I I don't I was just stunned. And maybe it, it just it just didn't occur. to It might not have it might not have occurred to him. Think about it. I mean, Holy Cross scores to make it 1914. And, right. and, and then and then there's the fumble. Nice yeah, and then there's the fumble, right? Boom, right on the ensuing kickoff, fumble, balls on the ground. What, three, four plays later, they're in the end zone? And all of a sudden, it's just chaos. Yeah. So they might have just been, okay, go. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> it could have just been chaos. But, yeah, that was a head scratcher. Obviously, it worked out for them. But uh... Right, well, here was the thing I thought. So now Noggy knows it doesn't need a touchdown to win this. 
You know, it doesn't need a, you know, field goal even tie. Like, now they might, they could play for a field goal. And from what I heard, there was a, a mother on the, of one of the players on the sidelines who, who knew um, D'Souza was a really good kicker. Not a, I'd heard of him. I, I know he played last year. But he was apparently in, like, a championship in Massachusetts against some teams from Chicago. And they froze him twice, and he still kicked it. Like, he was good. Like, they thought that they were really confident he was going to kick this. So, I mean, it was just just according to that. But maybe maybe Chris decided, oh, I'm going to play for this field goal rather than, oh, man, I got to get a touchdown here. And maybe in that small, weird way, it worked out for Holy Cross. I don't think that that was a plan. <laughs> if it was, that's pretty next-level, you know, 3D, 4D thinking right there. I, that would be incredible, but I'm of the mindset that maybe it just slipped their minds. It was just, it was just so chaotic. It was literally six plays. Hog, uh, Holy Cross went from down two scores to up, like that. So I, I don't know. That was wild though to even think about, it. and I didn't even think about it at the time. You mentioned it to me after the game. Yeah. So well, I, hopefully know. they don't think like me. Hopefully they're smarter than me. If you really look at it, they were both three scores each, right? I mean, Holy Cross missed a field goal. They missed a field goal. The only difference was that Nogadok didn't make the extra points. They missed you know, their they, first extra point on a bad snap, and then they went for two at one point and did not get it. Yeah, so they were uh, so that they're basically even teams, really. I mean, someone's got to win here, and Holy Cross is it. But now they go down to the belly of the beast. Well, actually, they, they're welcoming. Excuse me. They don't go down. They welcome. And Sony to town. Too bad that's not a Thursday night game, Pete. Uh, that would be bring another crowd there. But uh, hey, you got to play Friday at some point because this is fo- high school football. Well, that and it's municipal field. There's like 30 teams that have home games. Right, it's just there. not their turn again. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get that changed in VL, I'm all about it. You'll get you know get your tickets now. Yeah, you'll get you'll get way more people there. I mean, that Thursday night game, we were there from three of us from game time. Ned was there. Uh, Joe Zone was there from Channel 3. Matt Finkel was there from NBC. Uh, Jim Shannon. Uh, there were three people from the Republican American there. Chris Saunders was on the broadcast. Like, there were a lot of people there. So I tell I tell ADs all the time, you want, you know, when I go to a game, they're like, oh, you're here? I'm like, you know what? Play Saturday or play Thursday. Because yeah. when you play Friday, you're competing with everybody else. Right. Everyone wants to play Friday night, and it's not really about us. But if you, no. you want to get, if you want coverage, you want to get a gate, actually, more importantly. Thursday night, Saturday afternoons, not Saturday nights. No, let's no go into those games no. Saturday nights. I mean, unless you're choking, I mean, the playing the Greenwich, farms on a Saturday, there are a lot of people there, but the Greenwich Southington game was what a three o'clock start three weeks yeah. ago. I didn't get home till like nine o'clock. I don't want to do that. Yeah. On a Saturday, that's tough, but there were a lot of guys at the choke. game. I might bring up that, bring that, that up. Great game. A uh, great prep school game later, which is ridiculous. But uh, so uh, any other guys that stuck out for you? Again, I, I thought, you know, Maldonado was put basically put himself on my radar. I mean, he pushed through the line there to block that extra point. Uh, you know, that was just all desire right there. He might have had a little help, but, um, you know, obviously Caden Martin played great. Yeah, Caden Martin. I mean, the talk was we did the story, Legi versus Dietlbaum. Uh, Dietlbaum didn't have a super amount of carries. Um no. Played great on defense. Played great on defense. That's what I was just about to say. He was flying around. He was a force on D. Uh, Legi, he did the dirty work. He didn't break break any long runs, but he moved the chains. Uh, The quarterback, Olet, looked awesome for Holy Cross. Yeah, he played great, too. That catch, who was that? Was that that Campbell? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, number one, Campbell. That double-tip, triple-tip catch. Amazing. Oh my it was God. a great game. You know, oh, people, you know, kind of mess with the NVL a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, but 
You know what? When the Klieg legs were on, man, they put on a show on that. I mean, I think people like to like to joke on the NVL for a handful of reasons, but for the longest time, way before my time, and I think before your time, the NVL was king. You wanted to be number one team in the state, you had to go through the NVL. And like, you know, all those teams. So now it's kind of flipped and everyone's kind of taking their shots at them. I don't know about that. I mean, there were certainly some major teams back back in the day when uh, things were a little bit more even, I, I suppose. But uh, but hey, look, they they it was a showcase night and they showcased pretty. Yeah, much. they were it great. A, it was a great night. But other than that, man, not a lot going on. I mean, we were a few Friday night games. We really didn't have a lot to really talk about. We had two interesting ones. Also, but they're all involving the top 10. So let's break down the top 10. Let's, well, we already broke it down last week because it's the same one this week. But uh, let's just take a look at where we stand as we head into another week. The SDAC, SCC, uh, the ECC, and the uh, SWC were basically all off, give or take. Uh, this week, you got the most of the CCC, the Pequot, and the CTC a little bit, sort of, and the NVL. So uh, that's what we're looking at here for, for bye weeks. Then when everyone gets back uh, back to business right before uh, Halloween and, uh, and away we go for the real second half of the season. Uh, but looking at the top 10, you know, number one is still Southington, which, you know, the, the Blue Knights received some pretty awful news before they took on a winless East Hartford. Evan Anderson, the, remember him, the hero of the Greenwich game, he uh, scored the winning touchdown pass, which just played great. His father, Jim, died the, literally the day before the game. Uh, at the young old age of, of young age of 52, uh, Evan was well within his right to not play that game. But, you know, he does what most kids do in that. They want to be with their brothers, their family, their football family. And sure enough, they threw him the ball and <laughs> they started getting into the ball. And he scored a couple times and went up 21 nothing. But, you know, he's tough for hung around there. And I was shocked a little bit at this. But thanks to this guy, Draven Roberts, who scored three touchdowns, they were within 27 to 20. Kind of in the woods in the third quarter, uh, and uh, they're thinking upset, but just not their day. Lincoln Cardell hand him the rocket ran for 200 yards, 40 to 20. Southern still undefeated. Number two, New Canaan, which was idle last week. They get to play Norwalk. We'll see more about them later. Number three was the other interesting game on Friday. Maloney had all sorts of trouble with our guys from Newington, Pete. Uh, we there's the team that we thought we would get at the beginning of the year. Newington showed up matching Maloney point for point and even took a 23-21 lead with nine minutes left in the game. But then Josiah Gonzalez, man, takes the Zui kickoff 90 yards for the touchdown. Maloney steps up on defense, gets the heck out of there 28-23. Uh, Pete, two interesting games right there uh, for the top two of the top three teams. In our top yeah, 10. That was very uh, eyebrow raising, but you know, they're trap games. Look, Newington is a super talented team. Uh, we talked about them earlier this year. You know, they are 0 and 5, but that's a big step going from tier two in the SC in the CCC going up to tier one. And it's a grind every single game. Uh, I'm not surprised that it was close, but I was like, I was at Berlin and I'm like, what is going on in Newington? Like, what is going on right now? What is this game? Uh, and then with Southington, you know, East Hartford always fights. Coach Coach Milton does a really good job up there. Um, you know, they haven't really been a state contender since 2018, but they've got guys, they've got athletes, and they're going to fight. They're going to compete. East Hartford played close with Maloney uh, in week one this year. That's right. Um, you know, they, they, they're they a competitive team. Um, but it was – I'm sure Mike and Kevin were texting after like, so how was your game? Was it smooth? Because ours wasn't. <laughs> 
they weren't colluding just to kind of make it easy, right? Yeah. Like make make people think that they were like you know bad or anything, right? Yeah, exactly. So, well, you it's saw just, you saw. Listen, talking about speaking about Evan Anderson and just the fourth. Yeah, you know, you saw him. I haven't. Um, you know, he and his dad was active on online, right? Yeah, Jim. Uh, so Evan was an athlete of the week nom nominee who won actually uh, after his performance in the Greenwich game. And I, you know, I get to see all the metrics and the analytics and all the numbers and stuff on our posts. And uh, that one got a lot of shares and I kept like looking at it. I'm like, Jim Anderson. And I kept, I was like, it's like, it's kind of a creep. I, I clicked on his page and you know, there it is Jim Anderson and it, all this stuff about Evan, his older brother, Gavin played for Southington as well. And, you know, he just seemed so proud of his boys. And then obviously with Evan's game against Greenwich, uh, he was very, very, very proud of of his son's performance, and it was, it was heartbreaking to read in the Record Journal on Friday night. Just absolutely terrible. If he, like you said, if he didn't play, I don't think you know. No one blames him. He had every right to not play in that game, but you know, more power to him. He, you know, he's he's a junior. You know, he's he's a kid, and uh, uh, it's just it's just so sad. Yeah, it's heart it's it's heartbreaking. My hearts go out to all those guys, and uh, you know, just our best. Um, yeah. Losing any family member is just horrific, and especially early. He's young, young, young guy, yeah. and uh, you know. But uh, we'll see where this, uh, we'll see where this takes them uh, going forward. But our, our best. Um, just kind of wrapping up the top ten here. Uh, number four is Killingly. We're gonna have to talk to Chad Neal a little bit later. We actually already talked to him before we recorded this, and it was it's really good. So stick great, around for that. Yeah, great interview. Was, yeah, it's great. Interview. You know, Chad's the best. Um, number five is Granite, and number six is St. Joseph. Guess what? They play this week. <laughs> we'll figure out who number the real number five is. It's at Friday night, Pete. At, Friday uh, night at, at Greenwich. Greenwich. I don't know how. Gators take the weekend off or something? I don't they go know. on vacation? Is this I don't know. Weird. time? What's going on weird. over there? You got two schools who play on Saturday deciding. Two, two schools who play their home games on Saturday deciding to play on Friday night. Friday night getting down to Greenwich and Fairfield County traffic. Sean, if you're going, like, leave at, like, 2 o'clock. <laughs> like, I would tell you to come and stay at my house yeah. until you go. But like, if you leave my house at two o'clock in Fairfield County to Greenwich, it's still going to take you two hours. So you might as well just wake up and leave <laughs> because it's going to be impossible to get to. Just let, make sure Anthony knows that you're going. So he'll get you in the good parking spot. I don't know. I mean, am I going to that game? Who said I don't know. That? I'm not going to that game. Oh, oh. I'm not here this weekend. Oh, well, there you go. I'm going to have to go to that <laughs> game. Um, so that's a big one. Obviously, you huge. As they say, number seven, West Haven playing Friday night under the lights of Bowen Field versus Wilbur Cross. We'll talk about West Haven in a few weeks, at least. Yeah. Um, we probably should have. Uh, I One of us probably should have seen that first game. Um, I, I was going to go, but, you know. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas when we look at the schedule. I got to Berlin and they were razzing me. They were like, why were you at the Bloomfield game? I'm like, you have no idea how much Sean and I talked about going to that game until yep. like four o'clock on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Like before we were getting in our cars to leave for our games, we were like, one of us has to go, but we had other responsibilities we had to take. I care love of. the fact that they were mad at us. All oh, right. yeah. You know, I went, look, I went to Pearson, Pearson Park. I saw Cromwell Portland, then went down to see Hamden. We had a pretty big game, knocked off Fairfield Prep. That's and good I for was, home coverage. So. And I was taking photos. So, yeah. So there you go. Um, anyway, the number eight is Ansonia. They whooped up on Woolkit going into their bye week to prepare for Holy Cross. Number nine is Shelton playing their pals from NFA again. Number 10 is Cheshire, which I guess is their biggest test of the 
of the year so far, right, Chester? This is it. Yeah, so, I mean, one and three, four and zero. Oh, they got they got uh, they beat Hand last week, or in their last game they beat Hand, which I think at the beginning of the season it had a little bit more oomph behind it. Uh, but this, you know, Fairfield Prep's one and three. It's not the Fairfield Prep of last year, the years before, but there's still Fairfield Prep. It's still going to be a dogfight. Um, you know, Prep's not quitting. Um, no. So this might be their biggest game so far, but I think we're going to say that every week as we move forward with Cheshire. No, this is the biggest game. No, yeah. this is the biggest game because they're starting to get into that buzzsaw of their schedule. And, uh, I mean, if they can make it out, they can make it out with a pretty favorable record. Watch out because – they probably won't be as big of a battle-tested team, you know, Cheshire, Shelton, you know, those guys. Remember, by this time last year, Cheshire was pretty much done. I mean, yeah. give or take, right? They already lost twice. Uh, so, you know, they'll take this, take the heart Absolutely. later, you know, absolutely. Uh, so uh, other games, we again, like I said, it was a kind of a light fr- uh, light weekend. We had Nagy versus uh, Holy Cross on a Thursday night. And then Friday, we were kind of like toss-ups. Uh, uh, I went up to Granby Memorial. I took a long trip up there. I, I enjoy going up there. The foil, foliage is nice when it's still light out. And I hadn't seen Granby. We're looking to come back. They lost to the SMSA, Danny Hernandez, and SM, SMSA uh, in the first game pretty close. And then looking back at all these scores, SMSA just crushed North Brantford uh, this week. They're still undefeated. They look great. So I figured... You know, Cromwell might be in a fight here. They actually allowed their first two points, first two touchdowns the week before against North Granford. And now they go up on the road. Granby, you know, looking to keep this win streak alive. And uh, Granby's got some good players, man, Pete. I love this kid, Luke Marr. Luke Marr, M-A-H-E-R. From the first snap of the game, the kid was everywhere on defense and on offense with a big run into the red zone to set up what turned out to be a missed field goal. Then he also had a pickoff later in the game. That also ended up being a missed field goal. And that really hurt Granby in this one. But his best play was right after Ryan Rosich of, of Cromwell Portland scores Cromwell's first points with about 40 seconds left to go in the first half. Marr takes the kickoff. He goes 61 yards into scoring position. Next play, Will Migliaccio hits Richardson with a 25-yard strike to tie the game up. And it was 7-7 going into the fourth quarter. Finally, Cromwell Portland puts it together, got its run game going with Emeka Yearwood, moved over from, from uh, receiver, scores on the sick TD run, spikes the ball. <laughs> Unfortunately, Alan Cohen, their kicker, makes the 35-yard extra point. Now they got to play a little defense. Granby comes right back down the field. But on fourth and about three, Migliaccio fumbled, looked like he fumbled the snap, but instead it, it was he was trying for a hard count to maybe draw him off sides. But it was a new center, and he just just snapped it on the wrong count. Cromwell Portland a little like, oh, geez, thank God we got out of there with that win. Win 19 straight. Uh, but Granby, man, I I came. I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to Eric Shortle, their coach after the game, and he, he said, look, we have two losses to two of the best teams in the league. You know, we're right there. I'm so glad you're aboard the Luke Marr train now because yeah, I'm pretty good. sure I was pumping him last year. Um, but yeah, no, they're good. And obviously with this expanded playoffs, I, I think I think Granby's going to be fine. I think, you know, they're going to be battle tested and head to the postseason and we'll see what they can do there. But good. That's good on Cromwell Portland, though. I mean, when you win, was it 19 in a row now? Yep. You know, getting back to I think they won their last. They were bad in 19, if you recall. Yep. And then they won their finally they won the Chum Pike showdown in 19 
And then, they, of course, last year they went 13 and 0. So, yeah. So, you know, when you win that many games in a row and you get you get in a dogfight game like that, I mean, sometimes you don't know how it feels to be playing from behind or playing in a close game. And uh, that that's really good for for Cromwell Portland to to not lose a game like that, because, you know, we know they could win in blowouts. Now we know they can win, you know, close games. So, you know, good on them. Some big news that might be coming out of Cromwell Portland is Alex Hare might be back. They're running back from last year. You know, broke is a team like he was going to be done for the season and fractured his leg. He was sitting, you know, in their scrimmage. He was sitting there with a his foot up on the, you know, in a boot on a chair and looked like that was it. But, uh, you know, it's solid. I mean, he got two weeks off here and then they got to play Valley Regional, which a team we have so many teams that have been lying in the weeds. But that's going to be a fascinating game in two weeks. So if they can get Alex Hare back, I don't know how effective he's going to be in that game, but. If he can play, that's going to be kind of a big, big boost to uh because they haven't been. That was a reason why you have uh, a Mecca Yearwood running at, at running back. They, you know, they've been trying different combinations. But uh, as uh, Randall Bennett said, uh, he was the only one who could bust out a big run. And certainly in that uh, that touchdown run, he had that 12 yarder was great. Um, and the only other thing I, I will say before we head to our, our our guest this week is, you know, I did a quick tour of the two of the biggest prep school games on the calendar. Now, since the CIAC doesn't play very many Saturday games to decide, you know, a few, few of the tech schools, I figured it was a good time to catch up with a lot of our guys uh, who, from Connecticut who are playing in a lot of the prep schools. And, you know, it gives us a chance to boost our coverage a little bit. First stop was all the way down in New Canaan on Saturday to catch Hamden Hall versus rival St. Luke's. Hamden Hall is coming off a disappointing loss to St. Paul's of New Hampshire in the Evergreen League. And the Hornets only have about 28 players, give or take, and have been battling a bunch of injuries, notably to their starting running back, Kanye Taylor. And early on, it looked like it would be a dogfight. Check out this guy, Roderick Olson from St. Luke. He's out of Stanford. He's committed to the Naval Academy. Trucking down the sideline, breaking tackles on a 70-yard touchdown run. One of the best runs I've seen all year to tie things up early for St. Luke's. He's, he would finish with two touchdowns and it was just awesome on defense. But Killingworth's Ethan Cody, formerly at Xavier, counted for four touchdowns, including this 34-yard strike to North Brantford's Mark Schoomaker, and then right after this strike to Holden, from Holden Brown to Caden Bowling for St. Luke's, Trumbull's Nick Tucinati returns this kickoff 90 yards. For a touchdown, Elijah Light later caught this second Cody TD pass, and the Hornets' defense was also relentless. Quavier Johnson had seven sacks, a school record, and 14 tackles, and the Hornets back on track, 36-19. After that, I had to hit the road and floor it on the parkway as much as you can for the hour trip back to Wallingford to check out the main event. A massive NEPSAC Founders League showdown between Avon Old Farms and host Choate under the lights at Wilkin Field. Avon and Power 5 caliber quarterback Ryan Puglisi were coming off a disappointing 28-10 loss at home to Loomis Chafee and looking to bounce back versus a Choate squad, which was looking for a little payback from last year's 53-19 drubbing. And well, I and another thousand fans who were there were treated to an absolute classic. Choke came out like gangbusters, getting touchdowns from hands all stater Seth Schweitzer and Cheshire's Ben Wable, and the defense smothering. The play of the game was a ridiculous scoop and score by lineman Oliver Roman, who takes his Puglisi fumble 90 yards, but Chota ahead 23 0 
late in the second quarter. It was only because Puglisi found UConn commit Jackson Harper for a short TD pass to end the half that Avon averted an utter catastrophe. But there's plenty of time left for that. Cho just kept piling on the third with a couple more touchdowns and more than halfway through the third quarter, it's 36 to seven. It's a bloodletting. Everybody's thinking game over, but Avon O'Farms and Puglisi scripted one of the craziest 14 minutes of play I've ever seen. Beat, they scored the final 28 points of the game. Harper scores on a quick pass to end the third quarter, and then it was the defense's turn. Choate's knocking on the door again, but East Harford's Keyshawn Adams makes a ridiculous interception. And Avon goes right back down the field and scores again, 36-22. After another defensive stop, Puglisi takes them back down the field again. With a second Luke Thornbond TD run, Avon suddenly is within 36 to 29 with two minutes and 46 seconds left. Plenty of time. Choke can't run off the clock. Avon gets the ball back. And of course, Puglisi finds Harper for the 20 yard touchdown pass in the back of the end zone to get within a point with 40 seconds remaining. Are they gonna go for it? Of course. But Roman, him again, breaks through the left of the line and rushes Puglisi's two point pass. It falls short. Choke recovers the onside kick and that was it. 36-35, wow. Game of the year so far. Here's a little bit from Ben Wabel, choke coach LJ Spinato, and a pretty crestfallen but encouraged Avon Old Farms coach John Hall. Um, this this game, this game means a lot to us, especially after last year. You know, they put 50 on our on our head last year, and you know that was one of our worst games last year. And you know we had to get it for our alumni. We had to get it up, and uh, that's amazing. This feels great. It, only up from here, though. Only up from here. Not satisfied. It's a damn good team. You can't run them out of any building. We knew they were going to come back, and we knew that they were a more seasoned team than we were. You know, they just went through a, a battle. They came out healthy. They were in shape. They were cramping in their last game, and I knew in the second half it was going to be hard for us to keep up with their pace of football. And the, you know, obviously a mobile quarterback like that, great receivers, you know, dragging across the field. It made it really tough for us, no doubt about it. And you know, we tightened up, I think, a little bit on offense. And they were running their, their kind of cover zero stuff, just shutting down the run so we couldn't do much there. And it was rough, yeah, it was a rough second half. We don't, you know, we don't come here to be taken out in halftime. You know, no one prep school football is at a whole nother level than it ever was before, and it's awesome. It makes it makes it for a lot of fun. I couldn't be more proud of their effort, their heart, their integrity, and what we are as a team. And I've said this, and I, I truly believe it that, uh, you know, right now we're not the best best team in, in New England, but I, I feel that by the end of the year we will be the best team in New England. I have zero reservations on that based on the talent, the character, and the fabric of the team that we have here. After the game, all the choke guys are all asking me. Where's Pete? Pete, we 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 want Pete. And I'm like, what what am I? What am I? Chopped liver over here. But uh no, they want the both was there. They're looking for you, Pete. They want to I that's so nice. I uh my heart, my heart is full at this moment. Yeah, I had to tell him I had to tell him you were taking a well deserved break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Saturday was Saturday was tough. But uh yeah, no, I gotta I gotta get out to one of those games this year. It's just when there's like a slow CIAC schedule, I look at it like I get to do the lawn. I got to Yeah, you're domesticated feed. now. I gotta fertilize before, <laughs> you know, the winter comes. You know, I got I got lawn stuff yeah. to do. I first thing I did Saturday, I checked the website, I checked our Twitter, I checked um, you know, um, you know, some of our other stuff. And then I was like, you know what? 
I got to go cut the lawn. I jumped on my tractor, threw my headphones in, drove around. It was nice. Yeah. It was very relaxing. It's very zen. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was one of the best games of the year for me so far. I'll be definitely going to see a lot more of them uh, because there's not a lot. You said not a lot of CIC teams play on Saturdays and there are plenty of other Connecticut kids here. A lot of these guys have got, you know, you know, got some pretty big offers and, you know, it's nice to kind of keep tabs on him. Obviously seeing Seth play well and Maxwell Warren, you know, Maxwell Warren was great. He, he was a big integral part of that tribe to, uh, to come back, um, you know, and so on and so forth. With all that said, Pete, come for our, our only guest and stay for our Star Wars talk. Here's Killingly's Chad. Beer. Joining us on the show is, of course, the head football coach of Killingly High School, the number four ranked Killingly High School, making lots of noise, as always, in the quiet corner. It's Chad Neal. Chad, how you doing? Welcome to the Meat Grinder. Doing great, guys. It's awesome to be on uh, this morning and just to join you guys. I mean, it's about time we had you on. I mean, yeah. what what more could you have done? I mean, I we know. haven't had you on. <laughs> you got two state titles. You're in the playoffs every year. Like, why haven't we had you on? Uh, I'm, I'm going to blame Sean. I'm going to blame Sean. On yeah, that. blame Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Go right at Sean. It's all my fault. Well, you know, you guys needed to prove yourself. You know, we're <laughs> a couple state championships. All right, maybe. Uh, all right. Well, five and oh, they might win another. Might as well get them on now. So <laughs> I feel like it's been more than that. But coach, how you guys doing? How was your week off? You know, you know, what? good to recharge great time. Um, great time for a week off. I think timing wise, um, you know, beginning in August and then, you know, through those first um, four weeks, uh, you know, you got to get banged up. Kids get tired. You're starting to get into the, the meat of school and schoolwork and, uh, and sicknesses start coming around. So it's it's a good week to kind of rejuvenate. And, uh, you know, we still had four good practices um, just kind of work, work a lot with the, some of the younger guys. And some of those guys that are on the verge of giving us some varsity minutes. So it was valuable. You know, when when you're on a bye week, obviously you're coming off a win. You go into the bye week. But looking ahead, you you do have Wyndham. Was it those four weeks of practices? Is it more like, hey, we're going to take two weeks to prepare for this opponent? Or is it like, hey, let's just get back to basics, work on things that we've seen in film that we need to improve on? I think it's a combination of both, Pete. Um, you know, we began our preparation for Wyndham. Um, especially on our defensive side of the ball, um, at least getting into basics, alignments, and responsibilities. And then um, go, going back now to the fundamentals, um, especially in tackling, um, you know, not that we were tackling live or anything, but, you know, just with against pads and technique and um, conditioning. I think conditioning, you know, what, one thing we've learned over the years is you want to keep the conditioning going because you give the kids – you know, 14 days off there, they're coming back as uh, like day one again. So we did that. We get in the weight room a few times. So a combination of things, but, you know, with the eye on Wyndham, obviously we want to prepare for them because they're a very good football team. What can you say about your guys so far? I mean, I saw you in a scrimmage up at, uh, up at Cromwell and I thought you guys looked pretty good. I mean, obviously you're still, you know, lots of things are working out, but the offense, you know, some one of the coaches there, I don't remember who it was. That they might that offensive line might be even I think it was Randell. That offensive line might be even better this year than it was last. And last year was pretty good. You know, and obviously you have Soren Reef, you know, you lose one guy, but you, you still had the other. You had that piece in place. Uh just tell me about the guys. I mean, you know, what uh did you think you'd be good at? And you know, what's kind of maybe surprised you that you thought, you know, maybe you needed a little work. Well, I, I think the offensive line, um, as I say, is key. We bring back Devin and Darren Exahulius. Um, who started for us as sophomores last year. And Terrence Allen, 
who was a um, all state at Walter Camp um, on the defensive line. He played some offensive line for us on a heavy set. He came in as a tight end and um, adding him to the mix. And then what we had is we had to find a center. Um, Owen Turner came in. Um, he had played as a freshman for us and um, has wrestled. And he came in and has filled in in that role nicely. But the biggest surprise for us was a kid named Alexis Ruiz Ortiz um, actually transferred in from um, high school in Worcester. And he's about 6'4", 315. And he can move. He's a junior. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at, um, you know, a spot you needed, a spot you needed to fill, and, you know, he falls on your lap, but um, it kind of rounded out the offensive line. Um, we knew what we had coming back with Soren, with Ben Jackson, Noah Colangelo, um, at receiver, and, of course, Thomas Dreibolts, who I think right now is playing as good as any quarterback in the state, uh, you know, especially in our system where, you know, the RPO would run people over. We're, we're throwing the ball real well. And I think that's been the nicest surprise is we knew we could throw the ball. We, we showed it at the end of last year, um, Thomas's last four games, um, especially on Thanksgiving, he threw for five touchdowns, almost 300 yards. Oh, yeah. We, we knew we could throw the ball. And um, with, with Ben, Noah, um, Braden Pedersen, who's been, an, um, you know, one of those guys, program guys, I guess you'd call him, and I know it's cliche, who's, you know, played JV, freshman, made his way up, and now is a solid contributor for us. I think we're more diverse, and that's been the, the nicest surprise um, for us. And I don't know if it's a surprise. We kind of knew going in that's something, you know, when we look at in the offseason, where do we want to improve and get better? We've been able to do that. And those guys are great leaders. They play hard, and they've, they've won. They've, they've won, and they've been there in, in big games and big spots. Yeah, Was you that- talk about Tommy t- Tommy Drybulls. Uh, would you? I'm going to go out on a limb say, best quarterback that Killingly's ever had, um, at least passing-wise. I mean, you know, he's got 11 touchdowns. He's completed 70% of his passes. Even last year, I mean, he threw five touchdowns in the game last year. You mentioned RPO. You know, you're still saying run people over. Yeah. But is it becoming a true RPO? Yeah, true that's what I was going to say. That's option? the joke. You know, that's the like, joke. He's like, now they're real, a real yeah, RPO. Yeah, now they're a real now RPO. Now they've gone to the dark side. <laughs> well, one of my assistants said last year, you know, we're, we're – with POP now, pass over people. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and um, we have a lot of fun with that in, in practice. And, you know, Thomas is always, you know, how many times are we going to spin the ball this week and, and throw the ball? And, you know, it just sets up um, a play action game because our run game is so strong. And he, he's really solid. He is, you know, he's a true 6'3, 215, 220 pound quarterback um, that can throw the ball. And, um, I think with, with Thomas, his his growth. One thing that happened with that that COVID year is we we had to play that seven on seven stuff, and um, you know he was our quarterback, and he was able to throw quite a bit. You know, as much as I hated it, we hated it, and throwing the ball, and it, I think it really helped him um, reading coverages. And the difference again is in the summer we're not coaching them, and they're on seven on seven. And there's not much going on. And at least with that COVID year, you saw you were facing true coverages and um, you had to make adjustments and, and reads and, you know, you had to coach them up. You, you so said like, you hated it. You said yeah. you hated it. But like, I'm sure you loved it when you were down 22 to seven against uh, Bloomfield week three. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> loved it then. You're like, oh, God, we got this kid now. Yeah. Well, like when you see him throwing the ball, you're like, oh, Thomas, it's catch and then hand off. It's yeah. catch and then hand off. Don't throw it. Yeah. No, but like, has that just been. Like you, 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 uh, you credit the, the, the COVID year off, but 
you know, has the offense been, you know, kind of changing the last couple of years and adapting? Is it because he can throw the ball and you kind of are using what you have, or is it something that you guys are trying to implement more? I think it's a combination of both. And I go back to 2019 in the, in the state playoffs um, against Weston. Um, they really stuffed us. Um, they did a great job against us. And um, we, had, we really had no answers. And, um, you know, they, they had a great team, but we couldn't throw the ball and we were stuck um, with that many guys in the box. And we had to, you know, in that offseason, we really looked at what can we do a little bit differently that wasn't going to change things up so much. Um, because one thing you don't want to do is implement a whole new system. You just want to kind of build off of what you have. And we spent some time looking at that. What can we do that is, is easy for our offensive line, similar for our receivers, but can, we can throw the ball a little bit more. And we looked at a little bit more spread wing T um, and, and definitely our play action game. I, I think our play action game, in which you don't see on the center a lot around the state, um, has really helped us because teams are going to, you know, teams are going to still put eight, nine guys in the box. And how can we get our receivers open, um, you know, two, three receivers in our passing game? I mean, that's nice. the perfect thing for, you know, they talk about play action. They're like, oh, you know, you run the ball three or four times, open up play action. You guys have been running the ball for 20 years. I mean, that really has to open up the play action. Yeah. <laughs> well, it must be nice <laughs> to have some good receivers. I mean, obviously, Jackson. And Jackson. And, and Colangelo's. You know, let's not forget. Yeah. I mean, Colangelo had some great catches in that that, that Bloomfield game. Yes. I saw on film. I mean, you know, it's not it's not enough. You have a quarterback. You also got to have kids to catch the ball. And usually, yeah. when you're just a running offense, that's kind of a hard thing to do. But these guys, they're pretty good. Ben Jacks is a special player. He makes plays and in the game in practice, you're just like, wow, how did he make that play? We we saw that in Bloomfield, and we we see it all the time, but. That Bloomfield game, um, they really had a difficult time with him, and that that really led to them doubling in some situations on him, and that left Colangelo open, especially on that last touchdown, because we had gone to Ben early on that that out pattern, that sail pass, and we saw them jumping it, and you know they gotta they gotta account for him. I don't think you can cover him one on one. I think you gotta you gotta have one guy on him and one guy over the top. And again, when you do that, it's gonna open someone else up. It's gonna open our run game. And Ben's Ben's a player that I I say this you can run thing run something once and he gets it or he'll see something and come to you and say hey this is there um, I, I could put him at quarterback tomorrow and and I don't think you know he doesn't throw the ball as well as Thomas and run the offense but he he's one of those kids you can put in there and he's going to run the offense pretty smooth um, and he, when you need a play a playmate he's going to make a play it's because he's a really good baseball player too. It is. That's why. I mean, That's exactly why. He's a tremendous baseball. He's an all-around athlete. He's one of those yeah. kids that play sports. It comes natural to him. He played sports younger and got out there and played multiple sports. And you, you see it today with him. Yeah. How can you not throw throw the ball if you're well? If you're a baseball player, I mean, maybe not well, but oh, he can throw it. Oh, okay. it, it just looks a lot differently. Oh, you know, he's, he's winding up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you we've uh, you know the. Uh, the legend of of Hillingly football for people, you know, not in that part of the state, you know, we hear about run people over the barn has become, you know, this not urban legend, but this just legend of, of, you know, churning out all these great players at Killingly. But I got to ask you, you know, you've been there 18 seasons and, you know, 
only until the last, including this year, seven years have you guys really taken off. The first 11 years, you only won 34 games. Right. You know, since then, you've won 70 games. You've been to the playoffs six times, probably will be seven, and you've won two state titles, maybe three. After 11 years, I mean, was it always the point that this was going to be kind of a long build? Or maybe was there ever a time where you were like, do I really want to do this? Or do I really want to continue to 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 coach? Since, you know, it was not that it wasn't working, but the wins weren't there. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was difficult. Um, you know, there, there were some years like, you know, is are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to climb that mountain? And um, I think we, you know, we stayed true to what we wanted to do, um, our values and how we work. Um, I th- as a coaching staff, we just didn't, you know, sit back. I think we we spent a lot of time going to coaching clinics, visiting colleges, talking to other coaches. That made a huge difference. One thing that was very valuable to me is in 2014-15, after the 2014 season, um, I had the opportunity to coach on the Connecticut All-Star staff for the All-Star game and really worked with a great staff Um then, you know, guys like Pat Miller, Matt McKinnon, uh, Coach Dell from St. Joseph's, Dwayne Miranda, um, you name it, great, great group of guys, Johnny Johnson. And just to sit and talk to them and things they do and, and practice with them, I think really helped myself and, and our program. Um, we, we knew we had a great group coming back in 2015. Um, but, you know, we saw every few years we get to like six and four. And then we have that drop off six and four and we have a drop off. And then, um, you know, we just stayed the path. I think my coaching staff, um, I had, you know, a good turnover in coaches in around 2014, 15 that really helped the school moving into a new high school um, really made a difference. We started getting more kids back, especially we have a lot of sending towns in Northeast Connecticut that don't have high schools. So we started to draw kids from Brooklyn again and there's a lot of great athletes from there. So, you know, add that in. And I don't think it was just one thing, P. I think it was a, a combination of a lot of things. And we just stayed the, stayed the path. I, one thing I said is, you know, we're not going to get outworked. And one thing as a coach, stuff, let's not get outworked. Let's put our kids in the best position to be successful, um, whether we were 2-8 and eight or 11-0. and 0. Um, We just worked hard. Tell me about that that first breakthrough season you had. Yeah, like you said, 6-4, and 6-4, but then you have that. You know, what was it? 2015, it was 10 and 2. The Darlings. The yeah. Darlings. Yeah, that was school you football. guys did the climb. Like, Maloney just did the same thing. Yeah. You went to the playoffs, you lost. Okay. Then you went to the playoffs. Then you get to the semifinals. Okay, you lose. Then you're like, all right. Then you go to the next one. And the 17th yeah. season was, you know, that was it. That group was a special group. The year before, in 2014, I think we went, I think we were like 2 and 9. But we lost like yeah. 5 or 6 games by a touchdown or less. And then we open the year, we lose to Griswold. I'm like, here we go again. Um, week two, um, we come out, we get a W, I think, at Plainfield. Um, and at that time, they were a pretty big rival of ours. And then week three, um, we beat Waterford at home. And then we go into Bacon Academy. And Bacon was really good that year. And they had yep. just beaten New London and Legend, um, the Sean Kelly, Peter Kazubre. And we go down there and we, we, we just run them over. We beat them like 40 to 8. I think that opened. 47. Yeah. Yeah, we, that really opened some eyes, and then we just kind of continued that that climb, and we lost to Brookfield that year, and we learned a lot from Brookfield too. Uh, the way Brookfield, um, 
ran their program and, and played in the playoffs. So we took a lot from that. And then, you know, the next year, you, you don't know, is this just a one-year thing? And we came back and, um, you know, we made it to the, the, the semis again and played a very good Hill House team and lost. And then we knew we had that special group in 17 with, with Lockwood and Caffrey and made that climb. You make, you, you talk about Brookfield and you guys remind me so much of Rich Angarano's early teams, you know, that ones with Lutris and stuff. They were strictly like wing T just yes. bowl people over type uh, teams in 03, 04, 05, you know, and then they adapted. They were against Woodland. I think it was 05 in the class double M. Uh, no, it was the M final. And they, they could, they, they, tried to come back. They just didn't have the throwing quarterback in a game. They really could have used one. And yeah. then they just changed their whole outlook. And he won a couple more titles with, with, you know, they went spread. That was like when spread was becoming a big yeah. thing, but adaptability, I think is a, is a mark of a, you know, of a coach. If he wants to win, they're going to have to adapt. I think that you can say that at all levels. huh? Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, they, one thing we saw from them is, is, you know, they had the Bobby Drysdale and those guys. Those guys didn't make mistakes. In the playoffs, they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't have any stupid penalties. They were they were driven. And, you know, again, I think you got to adapt as a coach. I know as, as much as we love to run people over and, and all that, and that's, you know, we hang our hat on that. I, I think you gotta you got to play to your talent. I think all, all good teams adjust to the talent they have and what, you know, what's going to win you the football game. Do you feel like now, Coach, you guys have become kind of like everyone like loved you at the start, right? Wow, look at this great little old Killingly team. Now you're like the evil empire, right? You're beating NFA. You know, you're smacking them around. You're you're like the team nobody in the ECC wants to play anymore. And you're little old. Remember, you're still little old Killingly. Yeah, you're double M, but you have the school of choice thing, which. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's a whole nother thing. But you guys are like the, you know, the out of the Eastern Connecticut Conference. You're like. You're like the, you know, the, the evil empire, like Darth Vader out there. Yeah, you're right. And, it's, you know, everybody loved us um, on that on that run coming up. And um, now it's not so much, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I guess it, the newness, uh, you know, rubs off a little bit. And I, I think one thing we, we have, and one thing, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with my coaches and even kids is um, – you know, when, when you, the kids haven't struggled, the kids have, all they've done is win here since they've been in high school, you know, the current class we have, but as a staff, we haven't. So we've always had that, that little bit of, you know, paranoia being paranoid, like, Hey, we don't want to go back to that. You know? so, <laughs> um, that wasn't fun. So let, let's keep it going. And, um, but yeah, I, I, there is, I think with any team that's successful, you look at those teams um, that, Nobody, nobody outside that that town or school likes. You know how many how many people outside of um, Ansonia, like Ansonia, New Canaan, Darien, and say, you know, it's it's yeah. that's that's where we are. I think we're in in our area and even around the state, and that's you know, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, well, it's, really, it's ahead, funny dude. that no, because like when you guys made that climb, like Sean, Sean mentioned that climb in the twenty seventeen, you guys were the darlings, and then you know all all that stuff and. You guys have stayed there. And then it was kind of funny on the other side. Last year, you play Rockville in the finals. Yeah. And Rockville had made a similar climb under Knickerbocker, yeah. Yeah. right? They get to the playoffs, lose, get to the semis, lose, get to the finals. And they're playing you guys. And here it is. Here's what you guys did the five years previous to get where you are now and then trying to make that climb. And you guys were like, nah, stay down there a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Eric's done a great job. I, I mean, 
Eric and I are friends. We talk often and um, we, we share different ideas. Um, again, we coached on that same all-star staff for uh, Coach Mazzone back in 2020, 2019, 20. We had, we had a lot of fun and, you know, a very similar program. And actually, we go back, you know, Kelly Rockville was a, uh, an opener for many years in the 90s. And um, to have that game back and it was great. But, um, you know, it, it was the opposite. It definitely was. You made a great <laughs> point there. Coach, can we get you guys back down in double S or, or M or something like that? I mean, I, you know, like I said, I don't know how much what you think really. Well, maybe I do of the, the school of choice thing, but I like you guys playing against those teams. I don't you know, I don't know how much you can common killingly has with the double M's and it doesn't really make for a really intriguing. You know, you might not face a team that you really are similar to or a town or community. And that's like where I think this is kind of gets lost the, the their modifier it's only been you St. Joseph I think Berlin once I think that's the case I don't know what you think about that but give me your thoughts on you know where you think you guys should be really playing well you know um we are where we are and I think you know I can see moving up one class um but moving up multiple classes and divisions is is a little much um you know we do have ag students that play football um we have I believe three upperclassmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors um, that are ag students. And we do get we do get a lot of players that come in through our ag program. Um, and they usually play, some of them play freshman year, sophomore year, but then they really get entranced into that ag program and there's a lot to go with it. Um, I know this, this year we have a big group of ag students. We have a waiting list um, for kids to get in. But um, they're not getting in because they're football players. Put it that oh, way. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, without a 6'4 no. lineman. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, as much people might want to think that, you know, uh, Chad Neal can go down there and say, hey, I need this player. There's no chance. It's, it's pretty competitive here. Anybody want to come take a look at it, come take a look at it because it's it's quite the program um, and, and the requirements. So um, I, I think, you know, we are an S school. Um, if they want to move us up one, that's fine. But moving up two or even three, I mean, we I think we were one more stu- male student than Ansonia. Um, yeah. You know, to move up there. And then you look at, the, you know, where everybody else has, has fallen. Um, and then and seeing some of the teams down in M and some of the teams. And I think, you know, really looking at it is, you know, I, I think we are a, a double S or M. Yeah, well, it's because that one player just happens to be Soren Reef, so he yeah, like, it is. I mean, it is Soren Reef. <laughs> yeah, the ECC is uh, kind of. Guess, guess we wouldn't trade that. Pete. <laughs> I would isn't, hope not. Yeah. Isn't the ECC kind of like you know, kids go all over the place? They go to NFA. They go to if they NFA is doing. I mean, part of it's your success, right? I mean, just you know, kids, even the kids in your in your town, really, you 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 win games. Kids are like, well, I want to play football now. Yeah. You know. I think that's a big part of it, obviously. It is. And, and we have an excellent youth football program. Um, they've done a great job of letting us, as staff, go down there, run what we run. Yeah. And we get those kids up here and they they understand, what, you know, at least the concepts and, and terminology. We have 30, 32 freshmen this year on our, on our freshman roster, which is um, the biggest class I've had. Uh, and, again, success. You come to a game and kill on Friday night, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin Marcoux, IAD. You know, we have the tunnel. We have the smoke show. We have fireworks. Yeah. We have, you know. That cannon. A, I hate the cannon. Oh, the cannon. Yeah, you should. We actually, we actually watch videos of that. When the cannon goes off, we kind of have someone filming. 
and try to see people who are around the cannon and the reactions. Um, it's, it's pretty good outtakes. Just oh don't look God, at the please. finals from last year. Yeah. <laughs> Please post those. Tell Kevin, who's the great AD. Yeah, yeah. I love he's he's the best. Takes yeah. videos, which I take and put on here. But uh, but he's great, and uh, just I would love to see outtakes. I would. Oh, love they're to great. See I mean, we even in films on Saturday morning. We're like, look at this, look at that. Like, <laughs> um, you know, we love our officials, but sometimes those officials are right there. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> you gotta make sure. Like, yeah. No well, officials have you. any heart issues, please. I'm right. pretty sure Ben Desonier, who was doing the cannon at the finals last year, was yeah. like purposely waiting for me to walk by to <laughs> blow it up. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we kind of snuck that in there last year, try to get it by you know, uh, Len Cordo and all those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, they let they, they let, let Rockville bring. Yeah, they let a Rand yeah. in, so I think the, the the cannon is fair game. Yeah, <laughs> um, Coach. But before we let you go, you got obviously a pretty big stretch coming up here um tell me about Wyndham I saw him against C.O. Smith I thought they looked pretty good I mean you have the the twins and uh or the cousins I'm sorry not twins but the cousins um Mm -hmm. who are they played they're great athletes played a state championship uh basketball team um and then you have the running back who's just you know just a real confident kid you know what kind of problems do they pose you guys well I think number one is is they now are accustomed to winning um, they have that confidence, not just in football, but they won a state championship in basketball. A lot of those same kids are playing, so they know how to win, and they they are on the rise. So you look at a team on the rise, a team similar to was back in 2015-16, you see that with them. Um, they run the wing tee, and they run it well, and they have a lot of athletes, and they're confident, and they, they're well coached. Um, so for us, it's, it's, it's a great matchup, and when you when teams prepare for us, people talk about okay, a team on the center, a team in uh, you know I multiple back formations. Now this is what we have to prepare for. We haven't had a lot of preparation. You know we see a lot of spread now, and you know preparing for a wing T. So I think it's going to be a great matchup, a great game for us. This used to be a huge rivalry for Killing. Killing Wyndham was a Thanksgiving Day game oh, wow. from the early '80s to uh, I guess about 2000. So. We've had some great games with them, and the kids know each other. It's it's so I think it's going to be a great matchup. Exciting! It's 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 going to be a good test to see, you know, um, for both of us to see where we truly are. You got to stop the the Mayha kid, right? Major kid or May- yeah, yeah, the, yeah. They got a few backs in there, you know. Um, they, they just run the ball well. The, the I think a Shayhoff or two, and um, so they're they're tough. You know, they're they're a typical. You know, Wyndham team, the big fullback, the good wingbacks, and, you know, the quarterback who's going to run it and run that waggle pass. Oh, yeah, he's great. The right, yeah. the, the, the quarterback. Oh, man. Oh, you... uh, shame, shame Robinson. Yeah. May right. Robinson. Yeah. yeah. And the man, I mean, both Mangles are just, you know, great athletes. Um, So it, it's going to it's gonna be a lot, a lot. And I'm, unfortunately, we're at home. Uh, I love the idea. I love the fact that the, you know, the quiet corner ECC area, they got all the good teams now. You know, I mean, not not all, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, but it's been like, you know, usually it was like the guys up north, they can't play football, yeah. you know, but now you got, you know, uh, Sean's doing a great job. At oh, yeah. Just an amazing job. How is he? Have you talked to him? How is he doing? Yeah, Sean's doing all right. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I think his, his son's on his way on the road to recovery. And, you know, they've been through a lot. And uh, Sean and I are good friends. We played we played together in high school on the state. You know, we played in a state championship game together and. I'm um, just just yeah, a great I, man, great family, and, and 
you know, thank goodness Braden is on the way to recovery on the road because, um, you know, you talk about something scary, you know, one thing it's your player, but your own son is yeah. uh, another thing. We'll give a, give him our best. Um, yeah, but yeah. like I said, it's great to see. And now that should be a great you know, Northern ECC. I, I mean, the fact you guys are rivals, I mean, I'd love to see this keep going. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we again, we talk about youth football. A lot of the kids play together because they draw a lot of the Brooklyn kids too. The Brooklyn Pomfret and, you know, the school of touch. So um, it's always, always makes for great Thanksgiving Day game. The noisy corner now. It's yeah, noisy like corner. that. <laughs> All right, coach. Well, listen. Good luck. I mean, we'll probably see you when you guys come down here and play Brantford. Um, maybe we'll even go up to that game, too. Uh, we'll see. But uh, we'll definitely see you down the road. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. And we appreciate you giving us a little time this Monday morning. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, right. Coach. So, Pete, that was Chad Neal. You know what I forgot to do? <laughs> I, f- I forgot to, uh, to bust his chops about the all-time greatest ECC team of the 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how much you would have dove into that, Chad. You know, he'd be like, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens at the end, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, look, they are good. Uh, they are very, very good. They brought a lot of guys back. But this game against Wyndham is huge. Then I believe it's next week or two weeks from now. They have Brantford, which is another big game. No, back-to-back weeks, Wyndham, then Brantford. I mean, Brantford. this is a big stretch for them. And then Waterford after that. Waterford's 3-1. and one. I mean, that's a good program up there, too, so... They got uh it's not gonna be easy. Oh, and Fitch. I completely skipped over Fitch in oh, their yeah. schedule. And that's a that's not a that's not an easy four games. No. Certainly not. I mean the Wyndham game, I'm really I'm I think I'm pumped. I think the Wyndham game is more for Wyndham to show if it if it's where it is, where if it's arrived. Can they compete with a killingly? I mean, obviously we talked about Meha, we talked about the quarterback, we talked about the the Mangual. I guess they're <laughs> I was getting cousins. their cousins. Um, you know, we, we talked about those guys. I saw them week one. That what was that that Thursday night. That was my first game. Yep. And uh, you know, I don't even know if they thought they knew game time CT was up there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I interviewed all those guys and now I'm starting to get followed by a few. I saw one of the Mangwals follow me on Twitter. So that's good news. So they're paying attention. But this is, you know, for them, that's this is their moment. Um, you know, you got big, bad uh, killingly. Chad's built an empire. He's the emperor now. And you got to get a Luke Skywalker and the ECC to knock them off. Hey, eh? people kind of bring things down to your level. Exactly. I kind of <laughs> like it though. I kind of, I kind of like that comparison. <laughs> okay. So if anybody, me... you know what? Eric Knickerbocker is going to listen to this. Eric Knickerbocker is a huge star Wars fan, a huge star Wars fan. And he's probably listening to this kicking himself being, I am Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And we well, had our chance and we well, lost. Remember <laughs> Eric, Luke Skywalker in his first test against Darth Vader, he got pushed around. It's true. Next time he came back a little wiser. Came back <laughs> with one the, less hand because one less hand. Va- yes. Va- well, Vader played the psychological game with him and Luke wasn't ready for that. Then yeah. they came back. Then Luke turned around on him. So, you know, <laughs> I love this. I love this. Talk. This is a great conversation. I listen. I'm all about Star Wars. The I I, I once you get to the past, the the prequels like were a little disappointing to me. I, they were terrible pretty much. But the end of the last the last one, the last half of the last one. The Sith, that was the best. Yeah, the that, fight, was, that was always Mordor, what I yeah. heard of. When I was growing up, there was always rumors about how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. There was no internet. There were no books. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean there weren't books that really delved into this that much. Yeah. Um, I was a huge pre, you know, original trilogy, OG Star Wars. All the uh, Every Thanksgiving, uh, whether I'm like working Wednesday night uh, or Thursday after I go to a game, I just watch the original trilogy. Yeah, that's great.
Although I have not seen The Mandalorian. Everyone says it's great. So I, it's I great. guess I got to watch. I got to watch it's that. It's great. It's great. But other than that, the Disney with Disney's Disney's done. It's made a cartoon out of the whole thing. And I don't know. You should you should get in the group chat with me and Coach Nickerbocker. All, right, all right. All right. We talk oh. Star Wars. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Listen, but again, no one was a bigger OG Star Wars fan than me. Like uh, I went course. as Luke Skywalker for Halloween, I think in 1980, 81. You know, Empire actually was right after Empire. So it had to be like 80. Yeah. Um, you know, Empire is one of the greatest movies of all time. One of the greatest movies of all time. Not even. I like, have like our. I gotta show. You, I never mind. When we get to Star Wars, it's good. I, I got. Art. I got. I got lightsabers. I got lightsabers. I got. I got. Nah, I, got I don't go out. for that. I go for the oh, real, like, classy stuff. I have like the Macquarie art on my wall in my bedroom. You know, of I got the R two D two. I got the R two D two Lego set. Yeah. See, I don't it's go for sick. That. It's, it's sick. It's. I have like. I have like. Anyway, all right. I got, so, I got Luke's land speeder all right, all up, right. Uh, right above me. Okay, we'll, we'll do a Star Wars podcast in the, in the winter. Anyway, it's the Mandalorian ship right down there. If you can see in the live action, right where my pen is pointing, it's the Mando ship. Oh, oh yeah, you got a lot of st- stuff up there. I love how you display it all. Like I, I got my, I got my, other my wall. I got my Batmobile and the Bat Tumbler up top. Okay, all right. You and, you and Mac. Anyway. Before everyone completely, we lose everybody. Uh, Pete, we got the pot picks podcast coming up uh, in on Thursday morning. What are we picking this week? Another bye week, as we mentioned. Uh, yeah, we're out. We doing? We're, we're out. Um, the NVL, uh, a good majority of the CCC. There is some CCC teams playing, and I believe, I believe we're missing another conference, and I can't think of it right CTC now. CTC is off. The C- no, CTC has some games. Does it? Um, ECC, FCAC, SCC, SWC. We're missing oh, the, the NVL and the Pequot. The Pequot's off, too. I apologize, Pequot. We were just talking about Rockville. All right, so the games we are picking this week up in the CCC, we got Hartford Public, who's 3-1. and one. They're going to Tolland, play the Eagles. They're 2-3. and three. In the CTC, we got Bullard and Colby. They're one and three. They're playing uh, VG Tex, uh, who's 0 and 4. Uh, ECC, we got Wyndham and Killingly, obviously picking that game. FCX St. Joe's, 4 and 0, going to Greenwich. They're 3 and 1 on Friday night, a night game at Greenwich. Uh, SCC, Cheshire, 4 and 0, going against Prep. Prep's 1 and 3. They're still Prep. Cheshire, we're still waiting for that big win from the Rams. Uh, and this is the beginning of a buzzsaw for the Rams and their schedule down in the SWC Stratford two and two, the fight in Nathan Tyler's uh, going to Pomperog who's Oh, and four. Uh, then we got Notre Dame, West Haven, three and one at hand one and three. This is big for Notre Dame, right? They lost to yep. West Haven to start the year. They've won three in a row. Okay. You want everyone jumping back on the, the Notre Dame bandwagon. This is the game. All right. I had to throw this one on here. NFA at Shelton. I'm a big holding grudges guy. <laughs> If Shelton should still be holding grudges against NFA. Oh, yeah. Can we uh, stop scheduling Shelton and NFA? I think we're, I think that's I think it's over, guys. I think uh, I know you can find I NFA need somebody else. I need the grudge. Or Shelton. All right. Then we got Thames River at Montville crossover game. So Thames River leaving the CTC, playing Montville, yeah. the ECC. And then another one in the ECC. A great week for the ECC. We got Ledyard, who's 4 0. Great season Ledger. so far. Ledgered for their Colonels, and they're going to Waterford, uh, three and one. The three and one Lancers. We went to Ledyard Waterford last year. We did, and Ledger mm-hmm. kind of beat them up. But Waterford's yeah. better this year. So yeah. and Ledger's good. I mean, with everything that happened this offseason with players transferring out, I mean, Ledger's four and four and zero. Oh, so that's great. Now, those are the games we'll be picking on Thursday morning's pod. 
Yeah, I didn't have a. We didn't have such a hot week last week. Uh, no, you and I, I think you and we I came went, in yeah. the last. We came Crosby in second. Did not come through. <laughs> no, Crosby did not. Oh boy. Anyway, all right. Well, we'll be uh, looking forward to that. Catch PD page views. Uh, I can't think of uh, more alliteration. PD page views. Eh, never mind. The uh, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 pickups. That's it. PD page views pickup podcast coming up. Thursday mornings. I think we have a new name for it, Pete. I like anyway. it. <laughs> so, with all that said, we thanks Chad Neal for coming on. Uh, one more week of uh, half scheduled, and we dive right back into it, and we go on to the second half of the season. We'll be doing a lot of uh, a lot of mid-season report stuff next week, so come back and check all that. Until then, for Pete Guaga, I'm Sean Patrick Bully. This has been the Meat Grinder on Game Dev. Love you all.